Hi, everybody. It's November the 2nd, 2017, 11th month of the year. I can't believe it. But anyway, I'm not going to say it. It seems like every call I start out the same way, saying I can't believe how quickly the year has gone by. But anyway, tonight our our special guest speaker is Paul John Hansen, and he's here to update us on what's new with him. Hi, Paul. How are you? What's going on? Pretty good. Uh, I don't have a lot of new stuff, but I'm sure I got a lot of questions from people that are listening. I think uh, the last time we talked was maybe a month ago, and usually the people that listened to the last talk show had a lot of time to think and have probably some real good questions this this time around. Hopefully. If anybody has a question, press star 8. That'll put your hand up in the queue. Or you can also type it into the chat, and I'll relay uh, a message. if. Uh, you have one. Uh, well, let's start here. Your your expertise is with the IRS, right? I would say that's one of the main fortes, yeah. You know, um, well, I have a question about the IRS, but before we do that, I wanted to also remind everybody and, and tell everybody I got an email from Bernard Von Nothouse, you know, of Liberty Dollar. And... Um, they're being returned. The government is finally starting to return everybody's, you know, Liberty dollars and, and gold and silver coins that were absconded with. So I just wanted to let everybody know if you had money or gold and silver that was taken by the government in that Liberty dollar thing, um, you have to make a claim to get your money back. Anyway, okay, that's all I wanted to say on that. I might have him on sometime in the near future. He's been on before, but did he uh, ever prevail? Did he ever prevail he in the case? Yeah. I thought he was he in did. jail for a while. No. Never no? been in jail that I know of. Okay. Not that okay. I know of, no. And they're uh, yeah, returning yeah. all that money, all that gold and silver that they took. Like, you how know. Many, yeah, how many million did they grab? Like three and a half million oh. or something? Or? I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't it, was, know. It, was, it was a sizable amount. I know that. Uh, just insane. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One thing I, I I would recommend to him is not to put U.S. on your dollar. I think he's got the U.S. symbol on his dollar. Um, they 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 tend to yeah. frown on that. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, at, but I think other mentors and companies do that. Though they make them, they look just like a you know like a Lady Liberty. They put the her head on there or whatever, walking liberty or however it is. And they got away with it. It was okay for them to do it. I don't get it. They just weren't and, using it as money, I guess. That's what it was. Well, his coin was uh, well uh, well more valuable than any coin they minted that looked similar or had similar language on it. So they there should have not been no beef at all about it at all. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I hope he... Uh, I, I do uh, agree that uh, the American people should get back onto a substantive standard. The Federal Reserve is such a tremendous scam, and uh, the churches should just be outraged at this, and and all across the country should have professional yeah. speakers come into every church and speak and explain to people the destruction that fiat money does to society. 
it's uh, I do every chance I get, you know. Today I had a, a termite inspector over. I've got termites. So I have to deal with that. But I mean, the, you know, the whole time he was here, I was practically running down, you know, the cost of how wide things are going up in price. It's money. The money's no good. It takes more useless Federal Reserve notes to buy the same loaf of bread as it did 10 years ago. Only the, there's nothing different about the bread, but it's the banking cartel. And I went on and on and on. And I do it every chance I get. Somebody opens the door, starts the conversation. Boy, I tell you. I, I have a hard time shutting it down. Yeah, and, and everybody, and everybody should, should, do should be doing it. Right. Yeah. Everybody should be telling people and educating them on what the hell is going on. But anyway. My, my, my goal is to uh, gather people together and actually build a society that uses, uh, uh, uses God's standards in every way. You know, money, uh, courts, uh, property, pro- uh, taxes, everything. Just stick with God's standards and just be completely independent of the United States as much as possible. I I think the United States is a good party to join in a just war, but that's about the only time uh, and I don't I I don't know if there's any country in the world that can even come close to uh giving us a giving us a problem on our borders. But otherwise well, North I believe... Korea is thinking about it, I think. <laughs> well, they it could certainly sneak a couple missiles in, but they'd get a thousand in return. Um, yeah, well, I think they'd get more from China. It's right next door to them, you know. So I mean, closer than we are. It appears that he's right. been uh, he's been behaving himself since we parked two or three uh, aircraft carriers on his front door. Well, good. I hope somebody gave him some good advice because the guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. It seems. Yeah, he's like too uh, young. Power uh, corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely, That's especially absolutely when you're right. when you're especially when you're a spoiled kid. So, um, yeah. uh, anyway, uh, the number one things that uh, I've been working with. Um, well, go go into the IRS. You said you had a question on that. Well, you know, they sent out these letters to people saying we audited, we did an audit, or we filed for you. You know, because they didn't receive a, uh, a filing from whoever. And so they'll go ahead and say they filed for you. But does do they ever sign under penalties of perjury that 1040 that they say they're filing for you? They're required. So. A true assessment is supposed to be assigned. And unless you uh, acquiesce and don't require that, they can, they can get by without doing it. But... Uh, if they send you an assessment, you, I have a letter that we put together that's worked 100% of the time, and it simply shows them the law that they now have to send you a, an assessment that's signed under penalties of perjury. And the uh, they do, they, they do. Yeah, they, they're they're required by law to send you. Uh, it's not they, an individual agent is required by law to send an, an assessment signed. Uh, an assessment has to have your name on it, the Social Security, and an address. And then it has to be signed by an agent. Now, if he puts that assessment together, you can sue him. Uh, uh, he, he's the one that you, you sue for putting a false assessment together. Most people are not 
accessible uh, by the federal government. If you work for the federal government, you uh, you are certainly a tax you know subject to the federal taxes because that's part of the employment contract. Uh, and if you're an immigrant, you take the oath of citizenship. That's part of the contract. It, it those people that go in to fill out those documents to become U.S. citizen, uh, one of the paragraphs on the documents clearly says that they must file their taxes, federal taxes each each and every year, um, that they make a certain amount of money. Uh, and if you do business on government land, you're subject to the tax that they impose to do business on that land. If you're doing business under a federal contract that requires uh, the federal forms to be filled out as far as income then, but otherwise you're completely uh, independent of them. So every relationship with the United States is a, con is a contractual relationship. So anytime they come after you, you have to uh, get together with some intelligent people and, and, and start looking for a contract, which usually there is not one. We've had uh, IRS agents in the witness stand that testified that the 1040 tax form was a contract. So, very, very important. No relationships with the United States is, is independent of a contract. Even being the president of the United States is a contract. Um, so then what are you saying then? If somebody sends a letter saying that, you know, we've audited you and we are filing for you, just send them a letter with one sentence, like uh, "Where's the assessment?" Or who, you know, well, I have a I assessment. have a letter that I have a letter that I, I distribute to my clients for fifteen dollars, and it has the uh, it has the language in there that forces them to uh, assess you. And then you you what I ask them to do is fill out that assessment and then mail it to me uh, through the email. Then I'll make a copy of it, and I'll mail it as a notary presentment to the agency that uh, is the head of their district. That way you always have proof that you uh, offer to pay. They can never prosecute you for failure to, to file or failure to pay any taxes due. So that, that completely eliminates any criminal prosecution uh, attempts by the United States if you uh, now, if you mail a letter uh, and you go to court, it's just going to be you testifying that you sent a 6203 request in. It's Title 26 uh, USC uh, 6203 is where this is at. But if you if you don't if you do not have a notary do it, uh, you're the only witness in the witness chair, and it looks a whole lot better if you have a disinterested notary mail it for you. Yeah. Uh, then then after I mail it, I send you an affidavit signed in ink. It's got my thumbprint on it. And um, and it's also my my affidavit is it's got two notary uh, stamps on it. No, no. Let's see. No, I just uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I do the mailing. So I put a I put an affidavit together that I mailed it. And then I I sign it as a notary, and then I sign it in front of another notary that stamps it, and he signs it also. So we got oh. two we got two notary stamps on it, and that. Um, how much How much does something like that cost to do? Uh, 
we only charge a couple dollars for the notary because it's pretty easy. It's fifteen. It's fifteen dollars for the to- total letter. Oh, that's it. That's cheap enough. Yeah, yeah, and uh, it just depends how much time we spend with it. I mean, it's not. It's probably going to take us fifteen minutes. So, um, I charge thirty-five dollars an hour. It, if you have it all filled out properly, uh, it doesn't take us hardly at no time at all. But if we got to fill out all the envelopes and the green cards, and it might take us fifteen minutes at the most. So that's you know it's only uh, you know uh, five times four, six about seven dollars more than the fifteen. Anyway, if it's going to save you from being going to jail for five years, uh, it's well worth it. And you don't have to send those in every year. You just send it in once, <clears throat> just once, and um, and they're they're done. They they do not bother our clients after that, especially when they uh, see another reason you want to use somebody like me is because I am in their system as a, a skilled a person that's skilled to uh, beat the IRS. I was trained by a guy that beat the IRS over fifty times. And he uh, showed me how to keep uh, keep it down to just a couple questions. But the most important thing is that you uh, have the, the individual subpoenaed under Ducecum, and you've got to be skilled at picking the person to subpoena or threaten to subpoena. And once they I'm know gonna you're going to do, once once they know you're going to do that, uh, they they'll back they, they almost always back off from the case. The only people they prosecute are people that uh, think they know what they're doing in court, and they're going to get in there and show them how much they know about Title 26 and blah blah blah. And those are the people they they always are able to nail. You got to keep the burden of proof on them completely and keep your mouth shut in court, and you will win. You you will win not as testimony before a jury. You will win as a matter of law. The judge cannot even let the jury uh, look at the case. I'm going to have to get with you. I keep saying I'm going to get with you, and, and other stuff keeps popping up around my house. Like this termite sure. thing now i got to deal with. And uh, But I would like to get with you and talk to you. Somebody even reminded me and said, uh, you know, are you going to talk about your common law case? I haven't even talked to you about that. I mean, Right, I, I, remember, you, I remember you saying that. They robbed forty thousand dollars from you, if I remember right. Right, forty-six. Yeah, they yeah. have to have um, they have to have law to do that, and if they can't prove that they have law to do that, they got to they got to give it back to you, plus damages. And uh, I, okay. I would I would definitely go after like five times damages on that, maybe maybe probably five times. I think you could convince a jury that that would be reasonable. Um, yeah, I mean they're so unreasonable. The IRS, I hate them. Yeah, I, I would. They sue, were all dead. I, I would sue the government, and then when I get done doing that, I would sue the individual agent. And and one way you can do you can look at that is uh, OJ was sued by the government for for murder, right? Right. Okay. When it, when it was all done, uh, the the individual sued him. So uh, a lot of people don't know you can do that. You can oh, yeah. sue the government. Yeah, you, you go after the individual. And that individual might be a judge or a prosecutor or an IRS agent. Right. 
They and, usually refer uh, to that as a civil lawsuit. Well, we don't have to call it civil. We can call it, uh, this guy did, ain't right what this guy did, and I'm asking the jury to, to make it right. Yeah, well, you know, the um, the parents of uh, Ron Goldman did, and they all sued OJ, and they won, but they never got a dime. Yeah, uh, yeah. Trying to get access to the profits from his book, you know, but you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, it's difficult in situations like that. The lawyers got everything OJ had, I think. But oh, either way, either way, <laughs> yeah. um, the uh, the reason one of the reasons the IRS backs off is uh, my name would pop up, and that my name pops up as being trained by this other individual. Who, who was a law graduate out of Michigan? Michigan, I believe the government killed him. His name was Ed Shell. I'm, I'm not for sure, but he was name. he was doing fine, and they found him dead. But um, anyway, they got a thousand different ways to kill you. Yep. So uh, they do. They do it now. I mean, some of these people email me. You know, they're believe they believe they're targeted, and they they've got these electronic devices and all kinds of weird things to get you. So, oh, yeah. they, you never know. They have, they have. Uh, it's amazing, they have mosquitoes, the thing the size of a mosquito, a large mosquito with a camera on it. It's it's incredible. That's that yeah. nanotech. Yeah. It's incredible. And that, uh, yeah. and that uh, a friend of mine knew an individual that created stuff for the high-level government, and he said, uh, he said, everything you see on James Bond is like 10 years old. <laughs> he says, we have all that stuff. I believe and, uh, it. Yeah. And, uh, and anyway, they, they actually... From us. They want to keep us dumb down. Yeah, they, yeah he, he said they actually watched James, James Bond to try to get a few ideas of uh, <laughs> what to create next. Really? I just figured they back engineered things that the aliens have left behind and stuff like that. <laughs> well, that's well. another story. But uh-huh. um the um nobody's hands up yet? I don't uh, does anybody have a question? Press star eight. I don't see anybody with their hand up. There's chatting going on in the So in your in your uh, in your IRS damage, uh you put an administrative process together. It has positive averments in it. It has negative averments. It has admissions in it. It has a portion of a brief summary of the incident. And um, you serve that on the person that uh, gave your money to the government without your permission. You serve it on the uh, agent that asked that person to do that. And, um, And if they can't come up with a court order warrant or judgment, or administrative law to do what they did, uh, you sue them uh, in a common law setting, and you uh, you can take that court judgment into any United States court and uh, try to get it exercised uh, in a U.S. court. You don't have to, but that doesn't keep you from collecting it uh, any, anywhere you can grab some of their assets. But anyway, that's how that's how it works. The uh, the American people are, are the highest court in the land, and it 
cannot be any other way. The people got together and allowed the United States courts to exist. Those courts are not to govern the American people. Those courts are there to govern the activity that are uh, have a legal nexus with the United States, and and that's it. Anything else that goes on in our society, they're supposed to be governed by the jury of 12. And the founding fathers, I can't remember which one he is, everybody quotes Jefferson, but I'm sure many of these quotes come from other people, that uh, once we lose our jury of 12, we lose our freedom. So we've, we've got to bring that back to uh, a reality in our society that when we have a dispute, we do not run to the United States because that's military. We, we actually run to our neighbor and convene a jury. Make sense? Yeah. Loose Guys 2020 on here is asking, he says, um, or he or she, asked Paul to describe the methods of execution on a common law judgment. It's the same way as the United States would do it. Um, you can just go grab any asset that, uh, that the individual has. You're not allowed, biblically, you're not allowed to do certain things to people. You're not allowed to, you know, uh, if a uh, matter of fact, the, the Bible talks about if a man gives you his tunic, I think they called it, uh, you had to give it, you couldn't take his tunic because he'd freeze to death. Uh, or, or run around not clothed properly. So there, what that what that means is there is a limit to what you can take from a man for a judgment. But if you can find uh, an individual that has um, several cars, there's no reason at all you can take one of the cars. You're not allowed to take his tools generally. But uh, you uh, you can go to the sheriff, and I, I recommend it, and and ask the sheriff to enforce it. Give him all the all the paperwork. He does not have to uh, help you, even though the state statute says that he's supposed to honor any uh, common law judgment. He's supposed to enforce the common law in the community, but uh, you can't force him because he's not your employee. He is a employee of the United States. Uh, everybody thinks the sheriff is is their sheriff. No, he's their sheriff. He is the United States sheriff. He's, he's paid by the United States. He's governed by the United States. He's um, He is the uh, executive, um, I think it's the executive branch, the enforcement branch anyway. But um, he's elected by the United States process. And uh, if he doesn't help you, you just you gather your neighbors together, a few of them, and you go collect. And if whoever gets in the way of your property, because a judgment is your property, Whoever gets in your way, you simply hand them a document that I can provide that shows them that they will be subject to a jury of 12 and explain why they got between your you and your your rightful property. Uh, one individual that I spoke with uh, sued the governor. I think it was the governor, either that or the mayor. It's been a long time. I should have recorded the conversation, but I didn't. Well, I actually did, but I lost the recording. But he uh, he got a judgment, and um, it's like for thirty-two thousand dollars, I think, or something like some, a pretty sizable amount. And he uh, actually followed the guy's wife to the mall, 
and he just towed their brand new Jaguar. And the wife came out and was furious and called her husband, and they cut him a check right there. Another case of $50,000 my friend worked with in Washington, um, he, uh, he, he did not take it to a common law court. He just used the administrative process to settle it, to, to get a, a settled dispute monetarily, which you probably can do, but I think it's better to take it right to the common law judgment. And, uh, but he got one for 50000 He took it to the sheriff. The sheriff said it's good. And they went down and collected it from uh, an area factory. The sheriff blocked the factory gate with his car, went in and asked the people if they participated and they received all, all these documents. They said yes. And he asked them, did you answer? He said no. He told them nothing's leaving here until this man receives his money. Things can come into the factory, but nothing can leave. Yeah, they so, put a chill tapper. Um, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I've heard stories of individuals um, talk about uh, where they actually uh, had a, a suit against the bank and uh, they just told the sh- asked the sheriff to help them and they, they pulled up with a renter truck and they started tell, t- told the branch officer to load every piece of furniture. We're going to take every piece of furniture and every computer in this bank and they they said, no, you don't need to do that. Well, they, well, they cut him a check. So um, it, the collection is no different than uh, how the United States does it. Uh, and if you do have uh, intervention, you just send them a, a packet that I have and explain to them how they will be uh, subject to the common law court, and they'll have to explain uh why they had, they'll have to justify why they kept you from collecting your judgment. Which the jury can then uh, ex, ex, uh, put a judgment against that person. And as soon as that person, even we've even served these documents on a sheriff. And the sheriff said, no way, I'm not, I'm not getting between you and your judgment. I understand these papers. I, uh, I ain't going to do it. Uh, now, even even if you take a judgment, uh, a property from somebody, uh, they can still go into a common law setting, and if they felt they got uh, railroaded, uh, they can they have every right to present it to a jury. So uh, it's not uh, it's not like we're trying to pull a fast one on them. And with today's technology of the internet and email and um, uh, recording devices. Uh, we have the probably the best uh, courts in the opportunity to have a fair trial in, ever in history uh, without even um, gathering together in the same room. So that's how we do it. That'd be cool that to do it. You know, we got a couple of people with their hands up now if you want to yeah, yeah. take a couple of questions. Go ahead, California. You've been unmuted. Go ahead, California. Okay, sorry about that. Can you hear me okay? There you go. Yeah, we can now. Go ahead. Okay, good. Um, uh, I have a weird, uh, probably a weird question, unusual. For the last more than few years, uh, I was homeless, and now I'm being housed by the VA, and I just now started receiving a, um, you know, like a small VA non-service connected pension check. 
Uh, it's probably considered a disability check, but it said 0% disability. But my question is, while I was homeless, I, I gradually emptied my 401. And when I started getting these checks this spring, I did pay the IRS because, you know, they want their money when you would, the penalty, when you withdraw from your own 401. So I did send them the money for 2014, but I never filed for 15, 16, or 17. With this, and you said something very important, and this is why I thought I would ask, and that is you said it go, but it doesn't really go according to income because the IRS still would still want their money, even though I'm making very little. So do yeah. I, am I still going to, because I withdrew in, in 15, I can't wait. So I know I owe them, but do I uh, have to continue to pay with my income being so low? Well, you're not the expert. They're the expert. You send them a 6203 and ask them to assess you. Ask them what? Um, you'd contact me and I can give you this, work you through this form for $15. Okay. Where you you send them the you you request them to assess you. You know, okay. why would why would we want to assess ourselves? We're not experts. We we don't know how to go through a seventy five thousand page book they have. Or it's, okay. I, I, I remember I remember when they came out. I think the uh, the IRS book was like I don't know. It was seven hundred fifty pages or something. And then they're going to revise it and make it simplify it. And then it came out and. 2,500 pages. <laughs> so, but anyway, you're not the expert. Yeah, you do not okay. have to assess yourself. Nobody okay. has to send out, fill out a 1040 tax form. Okay. Um, and so I didn't. If you said at the beginning, I did not catch any email. Do you have email? Uh, yeah, my email is Paul. Uh, Angela can type this in and give it to everybody. Paul J J Hansen H A N S E N law at gmail okay okay i will contact you and, and um send you what you need yeah there uh you know th th this letter is not a uh, in your face letter it's uh you're asking them politely to assess you now they they have to assess you um uh, under the basis of law and um if they don't they're in trouble so. Okay, and and what I actually before talking before calling in just now, I actually because I had given them a, a payment, you know, this year for 2014, and then so I knew they had my current address, so I was actually just gonna wait until I heard from them, <laughs> because until that, till I know that they know that they need something from me, I will actually wasn't gonna contact them except to send that 2014 payment. In. Well, anyway, anytime, anytime they ask you for uh, for you to self-assess yourself, uh, you send the sixty-two hundred three letter back to them. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And, and uh, you, you, the the one letter can do address. Uh, I sent one in for a client of mine that uh, I think it had seven years on it or something. So you don't have to send one for each year. Okay. Great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Next up is um, East Maryland. Go ahead, East Maryland. Hi, Angie. How you doing? Uh, hi, Ron. Fine, thank you. 
What's what that? I'd like to find out is they sent me to jail for 14 months because the prosecutor, who was a criminal, worked hand-in-hand with that uh, guy in a black dress and to intimidate the jury, and the jury thought it was all funny. And so they sent me to jail for 14 months. Is there anything I can do about that? So why why did they send you to jail? Uh, failure to file. Okay. Um, are you receive Are you receiving benefits from them prior to that and after that? All I got was a boot in the ass. No. Uh, are you filing tax forms with them? No, not okay. at all. Okay. Yeah, you can, uh, you can, uh, I think you can retro uh, require that they uh, prove up their, uh, what they, what they claim you owed. They, uh, I don't, I don't know why not, because if they don't want to do that, you can take it into a common law jury and the jury can say, well, why don't you want to do it? The jury, the jury does not have to go by congressional, uh, guidelines at all they can just look at something and say it ain't right and we're here to make it right and uh and if they don't want to make it right you can go after you can go after that prosecutor and and possibly the irs agent the the generally in a a court case your accuser is actually the witness that testified against you uh, that's that's the primary person you go after. Now they're not allowed to prosecute you without a verified complaint in the record. Now that's a that's a complaint that was written out or orally said uh, and placed into the court record, a court record, and then given to the grand jury to consider convening a prosecution. I mean, a convening a uh, creation of a indictment against you. If they do not have that, it's a due process violation. So, what I, if you want to work with me, we can send in documents that investigate if they have in the record a sworn statement um, that was presented to the grand jury. For consideration. Now, what we found is they don't have them because these IRS agents don't want to put them together because they know that people like me will sue them if they do put it together. So uh, a judge wrote me once and he says, Mr. Hansen, you're right. They used to put them together. They don't do it anymore. He didn't really know why, but I think I know why. It's because they, uh, um, uh, I have a reputation here that uh, when I started suing them for such things, they uh, they came out in the newspaper. Uh, this community here is about a half million people, and they, they came out in that newspaper and told every police officer to get his name off of his house because they can lose it. Uh, but anyway, IRS agents the same way. Uh, so what you do is you go after the uh, record uh, by a Freedom of Information Act, and they have to provide that to you. And then when you find it's lacking in due process, the court lost jurisdiction at that moment, and everything after that is a nullity. 
and you can go for damages. And another thing we found is that uh, a judge walked up to one of my clients and he said, uh, I, see, I see you're in quite a pickle here. He says, uh, you know, they may have never even convened a grand jury for you. And the guy goes, really? He said, yeah. yeah, these guys are scoundrels. He says, uh, uh, put in a Freedom of Information Act for the billing to pay the court reporter that uh, took the record, was, was present to take the record of the grand jury proceedings. He said, if there is no record of a billing to pay that person, there was no proceeding. And those papers in the file are all fraudulent. If there's no if there's no hearing, if there's no record, there's no hearing. That's a that's a basically a maxim in court procedure. So this this judge this judge told my friend, he says, that's how you find out if there was actually grand jury hearing. Because they can they can go back into their little office and they can print up these papers and they can redact the form and signature and draw a line through it and they can block all the uh, juror, uh, grand jurors and, uh, boy, you got this document, grand jury bill of an, an, an indictment in front of you. and Oh, my gosh, this is bad. And the whole thing's a fraud sometimes. The whole thing's a fraud. And if it's not a fraud, you have the record of the individual testifying to your acts. Now he has to testify and place place you into a relationship of being subject to taxes as a matter of law. The only way you can be subject to taxes is to have a a contractual relationship with the United States. Uh, and I talked about that earlier. So if 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 he if he put in evidence of a contractual relationship with the United States by, and one of the ways he can simply say do that is by calling you a, uh, a taxpayer, United States taxpayer, because that's a contractual title. He uh, he has to produce that evidence now, because no matter what happened in court, if it doesn't exist, uh, uh, there you know testimony doesn't create something that doesn't exist. But anyway, you can go after the guy and sue him for starting that whole um, uh, catastrophe against you. Uh, so that's what I would do: is uh, just contact me, and I can we can we can notify these guys and, and get that record. Well, now, if, you, if you were to prevail, you can get thirty five hundred dollars a day for every day you're in jail, plus ten thousand dollars for each arrest. And then every arrest has to have an oath or affirmation because the Fourth Amendment says that no warrant shall issue except by oath or affirmation. And guess what? If there's no oath or affirmation in initiating the grand jury, uh, the whole proceeding was without an oath or affirmation. They they had no authority to arrest you. That's $10,000 right there for every arrest. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, I'll call Angie tomorrow. Does she have your phone number so I can call you and talk to you? Yeah, she. Uh, best way to uh, start a relationship with me by email. She she posted my email on the computer there. 
Yeah, well, I would, Paul, but I have a problem. I don't have a computer, and I don't have any electricity in my house. Oh, okay. Well, if you got a cell phone. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah. Uh, well, I can give you my number. I'm not, I don't have any problem giving my number on the 402. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me get out of this bid. Okay. <clears throat> Ron, you got to tell people you're off grid. Okay. That's a better way to put it. Okay. Are you ready? 402. Yeah. 402. 541. 6, 6, 6023. 541 6023. I got it, Paul. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll get on that because. Uh, uh, there's a principle in law that uh, testimony cannot create facts. They can only evidence facts. So uh, that's something to remember. Um, just because they got testimony, it doesn't create a fact. It just creates that a fact may have existed. So if, yeah. if later on, if later on you can prove that they cannot produce those facts. Uh, You've been having that. Where'd you go? I'm right here. No, no Nebraska. I mean, uh, um, Paul, are you there? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay, because you you were breaking up on your last few words of your sentence. Oh, let me look at my. I got I got four bars here. Anyway, go ahead. Well, I just didn't hear what you said on. On the end of well, the Angie, I've taken up enough yeah. calls time. I'll uh, call him tomorrow and talk to him, uh, and we'll go okay. from there. All right. Do that. So let somebody else All have right. the floor. All right. Thanks, Ron. Bye-bye. Bye. A- Angela, which part did I cut off at? I'll just repeat that. I don't of- know. I don't know. I don't remember. Okay. I was I was listening, and I was looking at the, uh, the people with their hands up, and I got it. I lost you. You got scrambled. So whatever. Sure. Sorry. All right. Next up is Traveler One. Go ahead. You've been unmuted. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Uh, hey, Paul, you got a good letter. It's, uh, jurisdictional challenge to an attorney. Um, had any success with that, or anything? Anybody get a response? Well, we have. Uh, are you talking about uh, notice of fraud? I think that's it. It's well, on your the, page. That usually that letter is usually accompanied several other notices to the court or the record. So we don't we don't know if, how much impact that particular letter has all by itself because it never does go in by itself. But the principle of that letter is, uh, and a friend of mine delivered that letter in California to a brand new prosecutor that was excited about getting his job, and he resigned the next day from his job. <laughs> the The letter uh, lays out that they need to re- produce the evidence that their license allows them to apply state written law which is the same as federal, federal and state written law are the same as of the United States. United States written law on land that is not of the United States. 
And we also ask him to produce evidence that his license that's issued uh, and regulated by the Supreme Court of the state, which all all bar licenses are, if they are limited to operate on the same territorial limitations as the court, which is land owned by the United States. And uh, we give them the... Uh, references to the uh, historical facts of uh, territorial jurisdiction and basically uh, most of it's found in the Constitution is sufficient and uh, these guys they, re- they resigned from their job I did this in Florida and uh, the head prosecutor of Florida in federal di- the federal northern district uh, resigned from her job within a few days I did it in I did it in Omaha. Uh, the head prosecutor of the largest county in Omaha, with the largest population, uh, which is almost all of Nebraska, <laughs> he resigned from his job. And then I went after the guy underneath him. He resigned from his job. And I had the sheriff walk up to me and says, "What are you doing, Hanson? These guys are dropping like flies." So cool. That's great. That's great. Because the uh, see the, what see what's happened here is the United States is a military organization. It's and it's organized by permission of the people. It's a trust. The the, the people entrust uh, certain lands to them, and they entrust uh, certain funds to them, uh, and they're supposed to use that to uh, apply the military necessities of our country which change month to month year to year uh, century to century but uh, they're not supposed to be out here uh, governing our society they're supposed they're they're military u.s. courts are military courts they're it's all a fraud what they've done is uh, an American wakes up in the morning he's got an issue and he I don't care if it's a marriage or a birth certificate or a, a dispute with his speeding ticket, a parking ticket. They, they they allow the United States to take care of it, and they're not supposed to unless it occurred on their land. It's a hor- it's a horrific scam. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, and and. The way you can expose that is with administrative processes where they're required to produce that evidence. And if they can't produce that evidence, you you lay it out in front of the American Common Law Court of Record, jury of 12, and, and the jury is going to look at that person and say, well, why didn't you produce that evidence? You know, it's a simple question. And yeah, if, you, uh, if you got it, it would be pretty easy to produce it. Yeah, yeah. And see, we uh, if we ever go into a common law proceeding, we can show them government land. We got documents that show government land and how it's recorded at the county level, and easy as can you can see clearly how uh, government land is easily identified in their in their uh, assessor reports. So. Um, what they do is they uh, they buy land under corporate names, such as State of Nebraska, and um, 
he's uh, see the the uh, constitutions that constitute the American government uh, that we call the United States clearly says that they can only land, own land under one name. They can't they can't own land under the state of California, under the state of Nebraska, under the state of Connecticut. They have to own it under one name, and that is the United States of America. All those other names are just simply uh, corporate uh, entity names, which appear to be government. Every courthouse in America, except for the uh, uh, few federal ones um, in each state, uh, are actually uh, owned by wealthy families. And some of these wealthy families own most of the courthouses all across the country. Yeah, locally, Locally, that's what it was here, and then and, uh, I looked up the records, and now on the record it says the inhabitants of the county. So well, the private guy sold it to yeah. uh, the inhabitants of the city, and then the inhabitants of the city turned it over to the inhabitants of the county. And, and that's where the it's, county it's courthouse is. It's very likely that the inhabitants of the county are. Um, it's actually a. That's actually a titled name for a corporate entity. Right. So who who really has that land? It's a corporate entity with that with that titled name. You can you can call it corporate entity uh, X Y Z one two three, Santa Claus Santa right. Claus one Santa Claus two uh, Paul John Hansen. You can. Uh, you know, some some rich people have their company named after them. Uh, I can't think of you know some of these clothing lines. Their companies named after their same name. You can't tell. But anyway, when they file it into their records, uh, if it's a individual, uh, it's supposed to be upper lower case. And if it's a corporate entity, it's all uppercase. That, that helps them uh, identify the, the distinction between a legal fiction and a. Uh, you know, just a, just the man's name. So, any any questions? No, I just raised the question that raised to me was that it's called the inhabitants of the county. Yeah, and uh, there's a lot of lot of trickery going on. If you go into uh, most state statutes in America, in 1913, you go down to the records of the state written laws. The year before uh, 1913. Um, in, for example, in Nebraska, it says uh, that these laws are enacted by the people of Nebraska. And then after 1913, it says these laws are enacted by the state of Nebraska. All right. So so something changed there. And then you go to the Constitution. The first Constitution of Nebraska has boundaries on it. And then they replaced the Constitution when the railroads came through. Guess what? No boundaries. <laughs> and, and guess what? I don't think they replaced the Constitution. I think the first Constitution still operates, but they created a, another fictional uh, entity Constitution that uh, they operate under, uh, as far as the second one goes, and and nobody uh, questions it. Well, it's like they put up a green board. Yeah. Yeah, now, you know, it's it's so weird that uh, I've been studying this stuff for 
25 years, and I can't find anybody to give me an answer why they didn't put... I mean, the Constitution is almost identical to the first one, except when you get to the boundaries part, there's no boundaries on it. <laughs> Just, wow. Now, guess guess what? Uh, entities do not have boundaries. If you create an entity... Uh, XYZ uh, Corporation, you don't put boundaries on that document. No. Uh, so um, that's that's all. That's what. Uh, now they claim they had to change the Constitution in Nebraska in uh, uh, 1875 uh, to uh, meet the uh, needs of the railroad. I think it's just a bunch of baloney. Okay. I think. Uh, I think they use that to uh, basically uh, a power grab. And another individual uh, said that uh, he was talking to an individual uh, that uh, was involved with a uh, something like this, where one day the, uh, the federal government showed up and. Um, they did something to every county in the state. They, they 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 took their. I think they took the original constitution away from them and and gave them the uh, replacement constitution for the state. They did it all at the same time, and uh, I can't remember. Uh, uh, Lewis out of I think it, uh, Washington uh, did research on that. It was pretty fascinating. That uh, it, was, it was just a, a type of a coup. I think. Right. But anyway, uh, fortunately in America, they still have to have law to do what they do, and the administrative process is the best way to force them to uh, produce the evidence of that law. Um, not it's not it's not rocket science. So if they don't produce it, that's evidence that they never had it. And you go back to square one and go after damages. So, okay, uh, next question. I do the I do the same thing on uh, parking tickets. They give me a ticket, I send them an administrative process. I say, who owns that land where that parking meter sets? And they write me a letter back, Mr. Hanson, your ticket's been just. Uh, 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 we're not going to force this ticket. <laughs> they don't have permission to put those parking meters up uh, most often. That's not their land. Just a bunch of liars. Just a bunch of liars. If you own that land, you can put a parking meter in front of your house as long as you leave a 20-foot wide path for people to get through. Um, anyway. Um, oh. We've got some people with their hands up. Is that it for you, Traveler? Yeah, thanks a lot. And uh, God bless you. Keep going. Sure. Thank you. All righty. Next up is guest two. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Hello. Good evening, Angela. Hello, Hello Paul. Good evening. Hi. Uh, I'm calling from California, and I'm wondering if you had any help, anything you can help with the Franchise Tax Board. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 95% of my IRS issues are with the California Tax Board. They are extremely aggressive out there. And the way you uh, 
you deal with them is the same way as you deal with the federal government. Is uh, you have to give them uh, an administrative process process to uh, back them into the corner to admit that they uh, have not received this an assessment from the federal government upon which they base their uh, tax bill. So what we do is we send the uh, 6203 assessment to the federal government and then we give notice to the state of of that same process and we tell the state that you will be paid as soon as the federal government gives us the assessment that's required by law. Because the the federal assessment uh, takes a number off of the uh, federal documents and moves it to the state document and that is where that number is, is where how you base your state tax. And if they cannot produce the original assessment for the feds, there is no number to move to the state documents and they're out of luck. But they're they're very aggressive on this. And uh just just I don't I don't understand it because there's fifty states in this nation and ninety five percent of the complaints I get, maybe ninety nine percent of the complaints I get is the California Franchise Tax Board. Just incredible. They're giving it all away. They're giving all the money away. You know, they're robbing all the people that are working so they can pay off all the people that aren't working. Well, it's interesting. You know, it, 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 I mean, you could hear on TV. I mean, the, the advertisements: free, get a free phone, get free Wi-Fi, get free cable, get free. I mean, it's like they're advertising to give all this stuff away, but it's not free. Who, Everybody who gives, else is paying for it. You know, who gives? Who gives free what? California, state of California, they have advertisements on TV. How does it? How does they the state the give special, cell phones? How do? Well, you mean, know, if they're program, they are advertising. They're advertising free phones. I think they do have a service. They give away free phones. I do. They, I, they, they do. They do. They do. They But here's the interesting part. You know, I'm a former student of Every Vera. I'm sure you remember him. Yeah. Yeah. And. Uh, I, I, I've uh, I've learned a great deal from him. I uh, might be with Ed Revere as he he doesn't get down to in, uh, putting the uh, pressure on the uh, on the agents with his material. So, I understand that part. So they already okay. took, they've already taken like seventeen hundred dollars from me, uh, and I'm trying to get it back. <laughs> now, now, how did they take it from you? Uh, 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 Levy. They took it from my employer. Okay. My employer. No, they didn't take it. Your employer gave it. Did your did they have a court order warrant or judgment? I'm sure the answer is no. If they do not have well, a court they have, order well, warrant, they, they had a, they, they didn't have a court order. No, they gave them an order, but it, you know, it was an administrative order. It's not an order. It's yeah. a it's a fraudulent document. Anyway, uh, your employer gave your property to somebody else without your consent without a court order, warrant, or judgment. So if it went to court, if it went to a U.S. court, the IRS agent would simply say, we did not demand, that is not a demand from his employer. That is a request. And the judge will support that, and all the pressure is directed toward the employer then. The IRS goes home. I understand. I understand. So, so if you have a, uh, if your employer is your father-in-law, you got a problem. But 
I don't know, you know how what what your situation is, but uh, that's how it works. Now, what I would do is I would go into a common law setting and see a common law setting is not going to allow this buck to be passed to your employer because your employer. Uh, the jury's going to understand, like, oh, no, we know exactly how the employer felt. He doesn't want to be arrested or threatened by the IRS. That's why he turned it over. He thought that he was deceived. So then I think a common law setting, you could uh, go after the agent that signed the documents that were sent to your employer, and we could, you could get a judgment against that agent. That's what I would do, and that's what, that's what we do do. So I should contact you by email then? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll do and that. What what you would do is you would put an administrative process to that agent uh, that that sent documents to your employer. Um, he's going to be a, it's going to be an alias name, but you can still uh, they're still by law they have to uh, put a face behind that alias name, and um, we can we can sue them. They have to produce evidence that they had authority to uh, imply to the employer that uh, your money was supposed to be given to them. I mean, I can't I can't send letters to your employer and, and trick him into sending me your property without being subject to a common law jury. Can't do it. Thank you very much. I'll send you an email. Okay. All right, thank you. Good night. Next up is Barrett Kitchen. Kitchen. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. Hey, hey, John, how Hello. you doing? Fine, thank you. This is Barrett you have North a question? Carolina. He, he, Go ahead, this Barrett. This is Barrett. In, uh, about the state constitutions, the reason there's no boundary on there, it's not a land and the people, it's a body politic, the club. I, I agree. I agree. Now, the first one, I think um, the boundaries had some significance to it. I think the first one still operates. Uh, I think the seats in the first one are basically, uh, they they may be completely abandoned and and tricked. Uh, Everybody moved to the second constitution and and filled those seats of office. So uh, I don't, I don't know. See the, uh, it doesn't make a lot of difference to me because I do not uh, seek benefits or services from either one of them. So uh, it's not that big of an issue to me, but uh, the, the truth is it did happen. It, it Something happened there. Now, the, uh, the, the the history that I read said that they had to do that. They had to change those constitutions to, to aid the, uh, the railroad so they could uh, you know, the Pacific Railroad uh, started in Nebraska and went all the way to California. And they claim that that's why they did that that year, the history books that I've read. But I don't I don't buy it. But anyway, that, that, I, I agree. It's a, uh, it's a body politic. And uh, I've even had a judge say that, uh, that I, I, I'm a member of the state body politic. And... Uh, I didn't know better at that time. I should have asked for uh, if that was a legal determination and then asked for findings of facts and conclusions of law upon which he based that determination. And the, 
anytime they make a legal determination, you ask for findings or by law they're required to uh, give them to you in, in writing. But, uh, right. Now, not being a registered voter, and they tell me that uh, that I'm part of the body politic, how, how would I have been annexed into that body politic? They have to prove the contract. And then even if they did produce a contract, they still have to produce full disclosure. They they will not use a uh, – I was in court once, and they tried to use a voter's registration uh, as evidence of personal jurisdiction. And uh, my answer to that was uh, I'm not aware. Not that I'm aware – I'm not aware of any uh, such contract. And uh, But anyway, the prosecutor did try to throw that in there. He asked me if I was a registered voter. So um, – they uh, they do use that as evidence before the the judge. So that, I mean, they'll use the zip code, they'll use the address. I was in uh, property tax court just last week. They tried to use the uh, address of the house to evidence that it's in the county, because all property in the county is taxable. And I put a brief in, and it's going to be quite interesting because uh, the they only had one witness. And my my address is not part of the documents at all. There's no place in that all the papers even mentions an address. It has a legal description, but uh, the witness says that my address is in the in the county. And I said, uh, well, do you have any evidence that uh, my property is of the United States? And the judge. The prosecutor objected, or the uh, prosecutor in the case, the county uh, attorney objected and said uh, that that calls for a legal determination. And then the judge says, "Okay, I take uh, I, I, t- I take judicial notice that that address is in the county." And then I said, "I need uh, are you I need uh, findings of facts and conclusions of law on that. What did you rely upon that that address is is of the county?" And I said, uh, I need also uh, evidence if it's of the United States. And she's, I think she said something. She wasn't going to give any on the United States. She was just going to give it on the county. And then I gave her a judicial notice that the definition of county in the U.S. Code is a possession or territory of the United States. Um, anyway, I got them in quite a bind. The judge uh, said, she she told me, she says, I know what you're trying to do here, Mr. Hansen, and it's it's a... Uh, uh, she says, "I, you know, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll try to put something together for you." <laughs> anyway, does that help answer your question a little bit? Sure. I'm, I'm getting ready to start. Uh, I got a letter from the state for not paying taxes. They charged me penalties and interest. I got to figure out how I'm gonna handle that. They gave me 45 days to answer the notice. Yeah, you, uh, you. You start the administrative process on them immediately, and then you uh, send a 6203 to the feds and the state at the same time. Well, the feds haven't messed with me in years. No, no, no. The the state is the feds. They don't want you to know that. You see, the United States, United States courts are U.S. courts. Okay. Right. No, courts. I understand. The United States government is United States. The state courts are United States courts. The feds courts are United States courts. They're all one entity. So uh, um, the states can only enforce 
written law on the same land that the federal government can because it's the same entity. Right. Of course, they don't. They don't want us to figure that out. Um, but anyway, that's what the administrative process does. It forces them to uh, produce the evidence uh, to support their claim. And if do they you don't help do it, yeah, yeah. And, and if they don't do it, uh, you can drag them in front of a jury of twelve, and and a jury of twelve is going to look at them and say, "Ain't right, ain't right." They don't want that exposure. How, how do I get a hold of you to get some help from you? Uh, uh, we gave out my email address earlier. Were you, you were not on? Uh, no, uh, wait a minute. I think, is it on your free inhabitant website? Yes. Yep. Okay. Just go, just, just go to About Me and it'll it'll be up there. Okay, great. I'll, I'll send you email. I'll send you a copy of the letter. Because the main thing to remember is the state cannot send you a bill. Only an agent for the state can send you a bill. We right, go after yeah, the, person had we, we go after that agent. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just now starting right. to learn this stuff, so. Yeah, I, I, uh, I've been doing it 25 years, and it's, it's difficult. If you're not right, having know, fun, I'm, you're not doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> believe it or not um, some of these federal judges um, when I talk to them they, they sit there like you know uh, they're they're quite interested in what I'm saying in, in their courts they, they're, oh. they've never really they've never looked at it from that angle uh, because uh, you know I require that they produce evidence of such and such and you know, produce evidence that I'm in the United States, and the they just like, well, that's a that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question, you know. Okay, next question. Uh, next up is well, did you have anything else, Barrett? No, I think I'm good for now. I'll contact you by email. Okay. Okay, good. All right, thanks, Paul. All right, thanks. Thanks. Next up is. Northeast and North Central Pennsylvania. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. And then Tall Tale, I'll unmute you, okay? So right after this one. Go ahead, Northeast and North Central Pennsylvania. Do you have a question? I want to mention about the, uh, the, the why there is no boundary. It's because of residents actually do not have any intention to make a permanent home in one place. So basically, they are residing in all different states, the federal states. So there's no boundary. And also, one thing I would like to tell you that the the county is all incorporated as well. So it's a federal. Uh, all counties are federal. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. And their 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 law clearly identifies a county as a as land existing. Uh, under the ownership title of the United States of America. I so found county- once a, uh, it's one of the statute, and it says the county of blah, 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 in all Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is corporate, and it says uh, all counties shall have uh, district attorney and so-and-so, so-and-so, and it says a district attorney shall be 
commander uh, officer of army. So they are our army officers. Yes, yes, yes. So you're saying that the county has absolute language associated with the military, right? Yeah. Yep. And then uh, if you research a tribunal uh, in their term, uh, it comes out as uh, there's a judge, then it says a magistrate. And a magistrate is a referred to creator, P-R-A-T-O-R. So if you uh, research creator, and it comes out as commander of army. And then also somebody who is actually exercising the trust and asking to uh, donate property for the benefit of another, uh, for the Sesky Trust. Well, I don't. I don't believe the Sesky Trust is associated with it, but uh, there's definitely a trust element there. The uh, the Constitution is a uh, is a uh, it's a it's a contract, and there's a lot of trust involved there. You know, we're giving them uh, land, we're giving them money, uh, giving them instructions, and we're uh, entrusting them with a, with a great deal. I mean, I'm so, by the Black's Law Dictionary Tribunal. And then I was just doing some deep research about the tribunal, and that's where it lead to Sesky Trust. And then also it says um, uh, a person owes money to the Romans. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yeah, I don't. I I never use the Black's Law Dictionary. I don't. I don't even use the Bovier's. Um, the uh, the most important thing is you keep the burden of proof on them to prove anything. We don't have to do research um, on on anything uh, if you know how to keep the burden of proof on them. They they make claims in court, force them to produce the evidence of those claims. The it's uh, uh, the only problem uh, that. Uh, where court cases come in generally is when the judge gets in the way of your ability to force them to produce the evidence of their claim. That's that's where generally the court cases are of value because they put the uh, the judge on notice that a higher court has already said that he must do this or must must do that to maintain due process. So uh, there are there are times when uh, the good thing about Bovier's is uh, it has court cases to support every uh, definition, and um, that's, it's good quite... to look at uh, different uh, law, law dictionaries. Yeah, I, I don't have, I don't, I don't, you know, I have, a, I have Black's laws, but I just don't. I've never got anything of value out of them. That that uh, after after you get past some of the elementary things of law. Um, I don't really need to go back to any of that because the the main terms are defined in the United States Code and the Supremacy Clause kicks in and the states are not allowed to redefine terms uh, uh, contrary to uh, a term that's already defined in in the United States Code um, because that's what the Supremacy Clause is there for and, um, of course, they abuse it. Uh, tremendously. Uh, for example, the federal laws are very clear on uh, 
the motor vehicle code uh, associated with transportation of uh, cargo or car, uh, cargo or persons for a profit, not just a fee, a profit. Now you go to the states, and they start dropping all kinds of language. Uh, they drop the word cargo. They drop the word persons. They they drop the word profit, uh, and they're not allowed to do that. So you, all you have to do is give them the uh, United States definition of the term uh, motor vehicle, and then you give the judge a judicial notice of the supremacy clause, and uh, you're on your way in the right direction real fast. Oh, and yeah. if they don't want if they don't want to do that, then you can serve an administrative process on them and say uh, get them in front of a jury and say, well, why aren't you obeying the supremacy law? Because, see, we don't have to go to the United States judges to enforce the supremacy clause. We can go to the jury of 12 and do it. Yeah, I think um, the uh, Bill Thornton, actually, uh, on his website, it says all the judges are magistrates. And uh, so regardless of what they, they distinguish as judge or magistrate judge, they are basically all magistrate judges. And uh, magistrate judges are commander of army uh, definitely they are running uh, these courts uh, basically under color of law uh, because I read actually martial law. And martial law, Labor Code 1863, basically it says American people and the people's property interests uh, shall be protected. And uh, that's over and over repeated on the president's executive orders, uh, in many different areas, they always expose the same thing. And then also it says under the separation of power, uh, all courts shall, uh, there shall be three different branches. So uh, one court cannot be all legislature and, and executive and judicial at the same time. So uh, basically, um, uh, according to the martial law, uh, uh, they are really securing the American properties. So uh, uh, what what I conclude that is they are actually uh, acting under color of law and not even military law either. Well, so, you got you uh, to be careful with the with those uh, using those references of laws because that's that's governing the United States people and property. It's not governing the American people. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, basically, it says American people, uh, their uh, people and the properties and their interests shall be protected. So then uh, they don't see us as American. They see us as a belligerent. Uh, and uh, uh, regardless of whether you're born or naturalized, uh, they don't recognize you uh, as American uh, because you never expatriated and correct the status. So that is basically all fraud. Well, anyway, you just keep the burden of proof on them. If they write you a parking ticket, keep the burden of proof on them, territorial jurisdiction. If they come after you, IRS, uh, keep the burden of proof on them. And uh, it saves a whole lot of trouble. Okay, next question. Hello, Hello. Angela. Hello, Paul. Hello, go ahead. Uh, 
I'd like to know how we can get involved with the online jury pool that you have that you use. Just just email me and uh, we put you on the list. And uh, we don't need a jury very often because they do not, um, you know, a lot of them, uh, a lot of these issues get settled before it has to go in front of a jury. But uh, just email me and I put you on the list of uh, potential jurors. And uh, if we have an important enough case, uh, we can have uh, we can have a thousand jurors on there. You're you're convening the court. And if you can fill a football stadium with jurors, uh, that's fine. If you can fill uh, a uh, internet site with a thousand people uh, as jurors uh, tuning in, and they're going to all act as jurors and willing to sign their name and put a thumbprint on a document that they uh, are participating as a juror, uh, that's fine because some of these issues are going to. potentially uh, draw a tremendous amount of interest and there's absolutely no limit to the number of jurors you can have you can have you can have three jurors you can have 12 you can have 24 you can have 2400 but it's very important to get the people involved it does sound interesting you say it's not it's not used often is that because just the uh the threat or the idea that someone might have to face such a jury, they uh, cave in. Yeah, who wants to uh, who wants to get in front of a jury and have even more exposed? Gener- mm-hmm. Generally, people, if you do the administrative process properly, you've got everything settled uh, in a substantial measure to uh, to your side. So. Um, that's what the administrative process does. It, it creates settled evidence that you can take into any court in America or in any court in the world. Um, and it's a common law principle that if you're asked a, uh, a legitimate question that you have a duty to answer it. And if you do not answer it, it's uh, the jury can take that answer, that non-reply, and say, okay, since you're... Since you're claim, you're not going to claim that that's your lawnmower. Uh, then uh, we can just assume that this other person uh, who has the lawnmower, it's his. I mean, you're you're not even you don't even have enough guts to step forward and claim it claim the lawnmower, you know, to make it something simple. But uh, uh, the jury doesn't have to uh, take that evidence and put a lot of weight to it. If it's if it's a ridiculous uh, questions and the jury can look at it like, you know, this is just silly. Uh, you know, they don't have to use it as settled evidence. But if you put it together properly, and uh, a lot of this stuff is against the, the government, there's there's getting to be a tremendous amount of uh, people that are recognizing that uh, the uh, you know the the government is extremely abusive, and they're not even supposed to be in our lives at all. Sixty-five, seventy years ago, nobody even uh, knew what a federal tax was. It wasn't even it wasn't it was it was like if it even existed, it was nothing. It was like one and a half percent or two percent. It was victory tax. Now it's uh, I remember President Carter's 
Uh, he had the tax rate at 95%, I think, for some people. It was just insane. But uh, but anyway, people are realizing that it's a contractual relationship with the United States, and they're looking for uh, to do business somewhere else. And uh, that's that's my whole emphasis is to uh, you can, you can have a choice to do business with them and and receive their benefits or services because if you pay in for 40 years on Social Security, the government tells you that you're only going to get 40% of that back on the average. So, uh, and I don't even think that's involved, if that's involving uh, what they do with the the investing of those, uh, those, those funds. If you would have retained those funds and invested them, they call it uh, loss of opportunity. You just, don't, you don't even include that. You just include the, uh, actual numbers of dollars that you gave them over 40 years you're on the average the the american only gets 40 percent of that back it's a horrible and it's a horrible investment president reagan said that if the people during his time would have invested social security on their own they would have got ten thousand dollars a month to whereas the ones that did invest in the United States system are only getting a thousand a month. So, forty years of investing in the, in the good investments generally that can bring uh, six to twelve percent return a year uh, makes a tremendous difference over forty years Ex- exponentially. They build a tremendous amount of money in your retirement years, and that does not happen when you invest in the United States. It's a very bad investment. Yeah, no argument here. And the uh, the, United, the United States is associated with, uh, in a tremendous way with uh, the elite ruling power. The Federal Reserve is raping us of much of our wealth in our country. Uh, most Americans could have extremely high level of, of standard of living if if the United States wasn't uh, um, uh, stealing from us every year. Uh, just uh, none of our wives would have to work. We'd have a we'd have a tremendously high level of standard of living, and uh, but that's not what they want. They they don't want us to be in that position of of uh, of wealth. They 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 want to. If they had their way, they would burn half our wealth just to keep control of us. Even if they didn't even get any of that wealth, they would they would burn it just to keep control of us. Yeah, after reading Pete Hendrickson's book, I discovered how true your words are. I noticed that uh, on some of your work, you combined Hendrickson's work, specifically oh. the 6203. Yeah, Pete you... Hendricks, uh, he promoted uh, zero, uh, filling out tax forms, zeroing everything out. and That was a catastrophe for a lot of people. Very, very bad advice. Um but anyway, it still uh, works for a lot of others, though. But anyway, I've had, I've had mixed results myself. I mean, if you look at his website, you'll see millions and millions. Well, not millions, but lots of people, you know, showing their refund checks and so on. But that's you got to file to do that. You know, you got to jump through hoops to get that done. I mean, we should not have to sign anything. 
especially under penalties of perjury. We shouldn't have to jump through hoops for these people. See, those, those people those people that are getting refund checks, I think a lot of them are going to be prosecuted in federal courts down the road. God, I hope not. I think most of them will be. Because they're, filling, they're filling out false, false tax forms. Yeah. No, you're right. We shouldn't have to do anything except get everything back that they took fraudulently from you. Right. Plus damages. Well, I think the the whole key with the, as far as Hendrickson believes, is that when uh, your employer testifies that you're making taxable income, that uh, that's that's where the problem starts. And uh, I'm self-employed. I'm self-employed, so I stopped testifying against myself and. The IRS doesn't bother me anymore. As a matter of fact, they told me that uh, I deserved a refund because I sent in some uh, some uh, estimates out of habit, and they notified me that uh, you know there's a refund due <laughs> because there's well, no corresponding W two with that. Well, if you're getting a refund, you're in their system, and uh, that's not good. I don't think. They'll, they, they'll set you up. They'll give you a refund, and then they'll prosecute you seven seven years later. And they'll prosecute every friend that you uh, you emailed uh, and talk them into doing it, too. You don't pay property taxes either, right? Well, I work with people across the country that don't. Nebraska is quite difficult, but I've been in court on I've never paid property tax in Nebraska without going to court, but uh, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to prevail on every case because property tax is only to be applied to land that is owned by the government. They're not they're not allowed to tax your property as a as a general tax duty unless it's owned by the government. So if it is owned by the government and you have your house on it, which is every house in the District of Columbia, see these real these rule these congressional laws that start the taxing process across the nation, they are designed for the District of Columbia. And if you have a house in the middle of the District of Columbia or on their land, you do not own the land. And they have absolute proprietary right to tax you for being on that land. So what they do is they they write congressional laws to match the governance of District of Columbia and other properties owned by the United States across the nation. And then they trick you into believing that your land is governed under the same law. So what I do is I go to tax court and I force them to put a witness in the witness chair if my land, this is the basic question, is my land the type of land that is within the scope of the state property taxing laws? They will not produce a test, a witness. Uh, 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 lately, they will not produce a witness to do that. They used to produce witnesses. Now they can't even get anybody to testify for the government. In my, in, in my case. Is my land the type of land that what? 
Yeah. Well, basically, I, I subpoena I subpoena their witnesses, Deuces Tecum, and I ask them, bring evidence that the subject land is is land that is within the scope of the state property tax written laws. The scope scope is um, in, in this sense is a territorial jurisdiction challenge. The state statute says that all property in the county is taxable. You go to the United States Code and it gives you the definition of county. County is defined as a possession or territory of the United States. So basically they're telling you that the reason we're taxing you is because your land is of the county, which is state-owned property. Which, of course, your land is not state-owned property. It's private property. Big Boy, scam. try to dig a well or try to, you know, look for uh, minerals in your land and they'll, they'll, they won't let you. Well, that's what the administrative process does. It's it's, it's almost never a they won't. It's a uh, there's one agent that has to sign. See, when you when they tell you not to not to do something on your land, it's one agent. It, it points to one agent that has that is stopping uh, that is claiming you can't do that, and you you go after that agent. There's you not. Know, not. I don't understand. Not, there's not many agents. There's just one. Uh, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. I was just going to say, you know, they say you aren't entitled to the mineral mineral rights on your property. So if you well, struck oil, you wouldn't get to keep it. I mean, you wouldn't gain. Sometimes, from it. You'd, you'd sometimes, to... sometimes that's true. You have to go back to the original land patent. Most original land patents uh, did not retain any right. To anything, but some of them did retain water rights. Others retain mineral rights. So you have to go back to the original land patent, or they have to they have to produce that evidence. They have to produce the evidence that they have a right to control the mineral rights on a very you know a defined area of land. And if they can't do it, they don't have it. So that's how you do that. And you can do that with an administrative process. You go you go you go down there and you find out who claims that uh I can't harvest the gold under my house or whatever or the oil. And then they'll get they'll get a name of a somebody in a head of a department and then you just write a administrative process to them and force them to produce evidence that they have authority to uh to govern uh that uh, that oil under your under your land. If they can't produce it, that the document clearly says that failure to produce that evidence will be deemed as evidence that they have they they do not have that evidence. And then uh, if they damaged you, uh, you can take that evidence into a court and and use it uh, to convince a jury to give you damages. Let's let's say you had oil under your house, and they, for ten years they haven't allowed you to uh, 
to uh, to to draw it out and and, and market it, then uh, you can convince the jury that for ten years uh, this guy has, has has you know denied me of my property. That oil is your property; it's not their property. So anyway, the jury would uh, would if they uh, they you know they try to make a, a godly judgment and give you a award if it's if it's justified. You don't pay uh, sales tax either, huh? On large purchases, sales tax is uh, a uh, territory. It's territorially limited. It says all sales. This every state will will say basically that the sales in the county um, or the state uh, or the city is uh, taxable. And you go to the definition of all those, and it's it's defined as doing business on their land. So it's very similar to if you go hunting for pheasants on my land, you have to pay me a tax. If you go fishing on somebody else's land that's not my land, I can't charge you a pheasant tax. So that's what the government's doing. They're tricking people into believing that... um, And the tax... See, the tax is supposed to be paid by the, the... person that's selling you the product okay the person is standing on a piece of land and he's selling you lemonade if he's standing on government land the government says you have to pay me seven and a half percent tax for everything you sell uh the buyer doesn't have to pay that the guy standing on the land selling the lemonade has to pay it so uh uh, it, it gets into a touchy, uh, it's, it's a weird situation because they won't sell you the lemonade unless you pay the tax. <laughs> so it's kind of a it's, it's kind of a weird thing that you you would sue them for charging you tax. Uh, and they'd probably have a leg to stand on because. Uh, that's just uh, part of the bill that they're sending you. But they, in my in my experience, they take the tax off because they don't want they don't want this being exposed. Because if they expose it, um, people would start a identical business and not charge tax. And the state doesn't want that. One of the wealthiest people in the world. Uh, he, he's dead now, but he never he never showed up on any list of of wealth. He owned every duty free store in the world. And when you got off the airplane, uh, you could walk into that store and buy things without paying tax. He uh, he understood the principles of, of taxing. But anyway, he became the wealthiest person in the world, and and almost all the money he made, he gave away. And he uh, he lived in a small house, and he uh, drove very simple cars. They, they said he had a ten dollar wrist wristwatch, but he was the wealthiest man in the world as far as income. But not not but he did not he did not uh, accumulate wealth. He gave it away every time he made it. Every billion he made, he gave it away. So uh, the main theme to remember is. State governance 
is on state land and people uh, that are on that land. So just get your mind wrapped around that. Anytime the state sends you a bill or asks you to pay sales tax or anything, uh, you, you, uh, you can challenge that. Now you can use the administrative process for uh, for property taxes, and you probably do quite well with it. Like I said, you can use it for a parking ticket. You can use it for anything. And um, normally, what they uh, like like Menards, for example, when we go in and buy a seven hundred dollar grill, uh, they just take the tax off. They don't want to get into a big dispute about it. That's good. You know, Rich Iverson does that. Any purchases he makes, Home Depot or wherever he goes, he doesn't pay sales tax either. Yeah, yeah. He gets yeah. into it. If you would like, I'd I'd like to have his email address. I'd like to converse with him on that. Rich, uh, yeah, he was just on here a little while ago. He left. I'll 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 send it to you. Yeah, yeah, I do. I'd love I'd love to sharpen. You know, I don't have, I don't, I can't do everything, and sales tax is not my strongest area because I just, I just run out of time. Any more questions? Yeah, great. Does it was that it for you, Talltale? I have one more, if it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's kind of a philosophical question. On Angela's show, I've learned from Bill Thornton and Carl Lance about the man and and their whole shtick is to separate yourself from the corporate person, you know, the old caps name. And I don't hear you speaking like that. Is that just kind of, you know, how, uh, but you do uh, use common law. So what's your well, approach they, to that? I do not separate myself from um, what they might call the straw man or the corporate name or the all caps name because that's not the issue. The issue is where is the contract? That's the issue. The when the United States walks up to you, or McDonald's restaurant walks up to you, or invites you to do business, they cannot come to your level because they're an entity. It's impossible for them to come to your level, so you have to go to their level. And if you do go to their level, you're you're operating at and a level of an entity, okay? It has to be that way because they cannot become a man to interact with you. You have to become, a, you have to operate as an entity to uh, interact with them. So it's it's not nothing necessarily deceptive, but the way that you do business with them is through uh, fully disclosed contracts. That's the only contract that can be enforced in U.S. courts is a fully disclosed contract. If it's not fully disclosed, it's not a contract. Just name the contract, but it's not an enforceable contract. Therefore, it's not a contract. So I don't get into those other... I I, I think they're mythology, and they're very distracting, because every time you get into a relationship with anybody... Just focus on contract. And and you see the United States they have principles of contract law. You don't you don't have to you don't have to go to the United States uh, identification of contract. 
you can you can just simply go to a common law jury and ask them, is this a contract? See, the United States is going to claim that when you sign that 1040 tax form, that it's a contract, and they'll you know they'll put you in jail for it for 10 years. But if you take that same case to an American common law court, the jury would go, no way. There's no full disclosure there. None of us knew that that was a contract. They that is the United States. One, the United States' greatest fear is to be subject to uh, the American people and have transparency to the American people's questions. So anyway, uh, contract, contract, contract. Uh, location, location, location. Territorial jurisdiction. Um, Personal jurisdiction has a lot to do with contract. Personal jurisdiction has a lot to do with territorial jurisdiction. Contract and contact are very similar. If I, if I walk on your land, that's a type of a contract. Um, con, you know, so contact, contact and contract are, are very synonymous. Uh, so if you walk on government land, it's a type of a contract. Get off their land. It's considered a contract. Just get out of there. So what some of these people go into these uh, uh, monuments in D.C. and they claim they can start playing their music or running their video camera or whatever and the United States agents walk up and say, you can't do that. And they start screaming, oh, I have my rights. I have the right to free speech. And, uh, sir, you do have that right on your own land. But you don't have that right on our land. Okay? Carrying a gun. Uh, They can tell you which gun to carry on their land or if you're allowed to carry a gun at all on their land. So um, you just got to look at it in uh, in proper perspective. It just takes on a completely new meaning. The the gun laws take on a completely new meaning when you start applying territorial jurisdiction to those laws. You can't carry a machine gun on a you can't carry a machine gun on a military base without a lot of problems. But there's no problem with that gun on your private property if you if you know what you're doing. Go ahead. Okay, next up. Next up is Great Gazoo. Go ahead, my dear. You've been unmuted. Hi, Angela. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hello, hello. Hey, uh, Paul, I want to ask you, can't we use this process in a preemptive kind of way, like just going before you get in any trouble or any kind of interaction with the police, you know, take them to the side and say, hey, look, you know, I'm not on your land. I don't want to be on your land. Don't talk to me unless I call you or whatever. You know what I'm? Is that a possibility here? Oh yes, yes. And the way I do it is I, um, for example, you pick a. I picked a road in front of one of my houses. I had 28 houses. I picked a road in front of my house, and I just sent the governor of the state and the mayor and the chief of police. An administrative process, and I, and I, uh, I was asking them if I travel in this automobile, and I do not have passengers or cargo. Uh, I'm not transporting passengers or cargo for a profit. 
am I subject to the state motor vehicle uh, code written laws? So that's a preemptive. And then you, you get that sent by a notary, and you have the notary put an affidavit in that no responses came back to the notary from those three people. And you carry that, you get duplicates of it, you put a copy of it in every automobile you have, and that's tremendous evidence that uh, uh, one of the judges even told me, he says, that goes to intent. So uh, so how can we charge you with a criminal act if you went through all this trouble to make sure that you didn't have intent? Right. The, only way you can, the only way you can do a crime is with intent. So um, that eliminates intent because you asked them, can I do this? And they wouldn't answer you. Now, then you start then you start using that road with no license, registration, insurance, and you get pulled over by a city uh, police officer, and they charge you with a state violating the state uh, written law or a municipal city law, and then you can uh, you can sue those people that didn't answer for the damage they caused you. You can you, you can sue the people that are coming after you, the prosecutor, the cop. Uh, even possibly the administrator, the judge, uh, for the violation of law and, and uh, misapplication of law territorially. But you can also go after the governor and the and the chief of police and the and the mayor and get them in front of a jury so at twelve. You're saying like if you ask them, they're obliged to tell you if if it could cause harm. Like if they could cause you harm, say, hey, you know, if I go off, shoot my gun in this direction, do you think I'm going to hurt somebody? And they'll, they'll have to say, no, you can't do that. There's a school right over the hill, or you know, some something like exactly. that. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it uh, it all boils down to what can you convince the jury of twelve of? You know, the if you get a jury of twelve that uh, hate guns, you're not going to get very far with them. So um, you never know exactly what's going to happen. But uh, generally, if you, uh, in, in, in good good groups like Angela draws together, you get a jury pull from there, uh, they're, they're going to understand biblical principles and gun rights and apply all that to where the society, society is still safe. But anyway, if they uh, if they start messing with your life and you have all these processes and they're not very expensive, it's just a certified mailing mailing is you know twelve dollars is all it costs to mail anything or seven dollars sometimes, and uh, you can you can start establishing evidence that uh, uh, before you do anything. Before you put it, even if you're going to add a porch on the back of your house, you, you write the city planning department, uh, and you force them to uh, to say that the city written law applies on private property, and they'll they'll take off running. I had a I had an individual talk to me this week, and he came up to me. He says, "Paul, I've I work for the city, and I'm realizing you're right. They don't have a right to govern private property." They can only govern their own land. And he works for the city. 
and uh, for the for the last twenty years, he's you know, for the last twenty years he's been applying the law the law improperly, and now he's got a, a conscience a conscience about it. Oh yeah, uh, right. He 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 realized after all this time he's the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he and he also realized that the uh, his boss knows he's doing it wrong, and he, they keep doing it. It's it's serious. It's serious. They're they're just uh, they, they destroy people's lives. They they think that if they take twenty percent of your profit out of your life, uh, your and then govern everything about your home, and your home is going to be better off. They don't think that you you would take that money and actually not go down to the casino and gamble it all away. That you would actually take care of your own property and and, and keep your driveway nice and your sidewalk nice and your house painted. Uh, some people won't, but uh, majority of people actually uh, the entire community would be better. And if you got if you got two hundred years of that, can you imagine the wealth in a society? What kind of nice homes and neighborhoods they could have? It's just tremendous, tremendous. They won't allow it. And, and people that are people that have uh, ability to acquire wealth, they actually get out of bed and they actually work that day because they know that they're going to get something done and they're going to have something to show for it. They get excited about about uh, productivity. Um, they, they, I think they want to keep you right on the edge because once you go off, then it's like you got to rob the convenience store to get a sandwich for your kids or something. They want the crime to be there so they can just throw you in jail and issue the bonds and, and all that private prison crap that they're doing. You know? Yeah, it's, 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 it's huge. It's a huge problem. And... Uh... The community is supposed to handle its problems, not not some government coming in with uh, military mentality. Okay, next question. Yep. That's it. We don't have any. Oh, here, East Virginia. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Oh, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing there, uh, Mr. Hanson. Uh, my name is Curtis from uh, Virginia, and uh, I've been involved in the uh, liberty movement for quite a while. Um, you said some things about the IRS I was really uh, interested in, and uh, what you just just now said really hit me on the head, kind of like woke me up. Um, what the government tries to do is to to eliminate your incentive to do more, to do better. This reminds me, since 1971, I've been fighting the IRS and the Internal Revenue and the elite, what we call the international bankers, Illuminati, whatever you want to call these idiots uh, that want to control and own everything. And uh, since that time, being involved with Ron Paul's organizations and various others, uh, the one thing that I learned when I was just barely, I just started my family. I was uh, living in Arizona at the time, Phoenix, Arizona, that's where I was born. I had uh, my first child uh, coming up. She was about to be born three or four months away. I bought my first home. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't uh, 18, 17, 18 years old at the time. I had worked hard to get a raise in the company 
uh, and to get a raise in a position at a company. And I got a raise because I, I knew I was going to have closing costs. I had just learned about this thing called closing costs that they didn't tell me about that. I was kind of agitated over that because they already made my down payment, and I had a new baby coming. I was paying the doctor in the hospital. So my money was really tight, you know, as a young man, because I didn't have any real profession outside of the one I was trying to obtain. And uh, I uh, obtained this position. I was worked hard to get a raise in this position, and I got it. And I had uh, worked overtime, and I was expecting this huge check to make these payments so I could get caught up and, you know, get prepared for this new home. And uh, I made actually less money with the raise and the overtime than I did before I had done any overtime or got in the raise. My income take-home check was less. <laughs> I, I was really, I was really upset over it. Nineteen, now you got to think about this. I go back because it's nineteen seventy-one. I, I probably wasn't making. You know, was, was that was that a demotiv- Did that de- demotivate you a little bit? Oh, that demotivated me a lot because the ensuing conversation that you just, you guys just, the conversation you all just got in reminds me of that, right? I've never forgotten. Of all the things I've ever, and I'm 60, going on 66 now. Uh, We're talking 40, 50 years ago. Yeah. That's a fascinating. That's a fascinating story, but it's it's a true story. That's the most fascinating part. It's an absolute part. true story. And when I got my check, I'm looking at it. I am frothing. I'm a young man. I am so <laughs> mad. I am pissed. I busted my ass. I got this raise. I worked weekends painting these vehicles, you know, to prove I could do this job, you know, to get this raise, you know. And I got a lousy quarter raise. And uh, manipulated that to almost a dollar an hour raise because another company had found out about me, and they were fighting over me, the two companies. And they gave me the – I got ended up with a dollar an hour raise. That's $20 a week at the time. That was a very substantial amount of money uh, at the time. And uh, plus the overtime I was putting in at time and a half because I happened to belong to a union at the time. And I was excited because I'm counting all this money I'm going to be getting. I can make the down payment. I can meet this closing cost that I didn't know anything about, you know, at the last minute. And I got the doctor in the hospital to pay for my baby about to be born, my first child. And I go in and my check is less than, than it was before I got all the raises in the overtime. And I went in just angry. I was just angry. And I'm like, you know, you guys, made, you all made a mistake. You know, well, let me see it. You know, they're all laughing, all the other secretaries and their young gals. They're all laughing, and I'm like, I don't see what the hell is so funny because I'm pretty upset. I'm I'm pretty much about as close to cussing as I can get. I'm very what, upset. What, no, no, welcome, I, welcome I, to America. Oh, that's welcome to America. I, you know, right out of the right out from my mother's uh, wings, uh, <laughs> my mother and dad's protection into the real world, and this is where I found out, you know, that extra effort and hard work isn't true. My mother, mom, my dad said, <laughs> you work hard, you you know, you you benefit, and I but thought the, I'd done that. But the number one if thing that you, I the, the, go if ahead, moved him, it moved him. I was just going to say it moved him into a, the next tax bracket. It moved uh, him well, that's exactly what he said. Bracket. Well, they were all laughing, and the older woman in the in the group, she had compassion on me. She said, "Well, Curtis, she was more calm." She says, "Well, Curtis, let me check into it and make sure it's right." And I said, "Well, thank you. Uh, I don't remember the old lady's name, but she took my my paperwork and." Uh, she comes back a few months later. She says, yeah, Curtis, she says, it is correct. And I'm like, it's not possible. And she says, well, she says, if you've got an issue with the tax, she says, you're going to have to, uh, you're going to, have to go to your congressman. And I said, well, what the hell does my congressman got to do with my goddamn paycheck? Pardon me, friends, but that's exactly, word for word, 
So I told that old lady, I remember to this day that conversation. She said, well, they're the ones that decide how much your taxes are. Well, that right there lit me up. I'm into it. I'm, I'm, I'm breaking every law I can break. I don't get tags. I don't get registration. I don't get my car inspections. I don't get none of that. And I'm paying these. I'm getting uh, charged all the time by the judge and the cops. And I was resistant to a cop once. He finally asked me to go because I refused to sign anything. And at the time, I didn't understand any of this, but he let me go eventually because I didn't give a consent. I was just being obstinate because he was being an asshole and he knew he was wrong. But all it's of not, these things, 20, 30 years later, you know, after a, I start studying it and I see things going on, I get back and involved in this, start reading law and studying it, which that's what I've been doing the last 10 years of my life. I have devoted because I can see things going, and I knew things weren't right. You read the Constitution, and you look around, and like, what the hell is going on? This, How come this ain't making sense? So i got to start studying law, reading court cases, you know. And and you know, and I'm listening to people like you guys on the on the thing trying to make sense of this because the first book I read from a judge gave me a headache. I couldn't I couldn't read more than two pages, you know, a day, uh, because it gave me a headache. You know, and it took me a year and a half before I could start reading stuff and understand what the hell's going on. Now you know I can read it. And I know, you know, I I could I'll I, double talk. Yeah. Yeah. But you you have to learn, and and uh, but but you know when I told that woman my words to that secretary that day, I said you just destroyed my incentive to want to do anything within this company. I said from this moment on, you can forget about me doing any overtime. Period. Don't look for me to reach out to do better, because I am not interested. There's no benefit in it for me or my family. And, yeah. and 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 up till ten years ago. But but anyway, in, in, uh, probably have to. We got other people to talk to. But uh, what we need to do is we need to pe- teach young people to give them the option: Do you want to contract with the United States, or do you want to provide for your own needs? It's available, and it's safe if you do it properly. And a person can go through life without paying no Social Security, no Medicare, no federal taxes, no state taxes, no sales taxes on, oh, yeah. on uh, major, uh, major purchases, no uh, no registration lawful. fees. Yeah, what uh, you're talking uh, about, lawful uh, all tax. that stuff. Yeah, a lawful tax. I would just like to close with this one last statement. Up until the past few years ago, when I started a new business, just before my latter years. You know, I had the government come out to give me a free consultation, and I was pretty excited about it. And uh, when the government left, I was depressed. I didn't, well, I don't want to be in this business. Well, why? And I'm thinking, well, can I do this business? Well, yeah, I can do this business. Do I have enough knowledge? Yeah, i got the knowledge. Do I have the ability? Yeah, i got the ability. Do I have the contacts? Yeah, i got enough contacts. Do I have sufficient funds? Yeah, I do. Well, what, what's the problem? Government. Government is still so much fear at me and that free going to help me. And then I reflected on Reagan saying, when the government comes saying they're going to help you, watch your back and watch your wallet. The government's not yeah. here to solve the problem. It is the problem. And then I'm looking up on my wall. That during the same three-day period, I'm looking up on my wall, and I'm looking at a bunch of stuff that I posted from the, the founders. And one of them was uh, Thomas Jefferson, which is a member of my family. I'm a linear oh. a lineage to it, uh, distant. But uh, anyway, I'm reading it, and he says, uh, if 
if uh, if you're afraid of government, then you're living in tyranny. If government fears you, you're living in freedom and liberty. And I realized at that moment, stare, constantly staring at that picture, thinking, why am I afraid of doing this? Why do I feel so sick? And I realized it was because I was afraid of government. And from that day forward, from that moment, after three days of studying that, I made a pledge, and I didn't quite understand it completely at the time, but I made a pledge, I will never from this moment forward ever be afraid of government. Never, ever again. But from now on, they will be afraid of me. Well, what we have to do is we have to teach the young people. We have to teach the the seven, the sixteen-year-old how to how to how to stay contract-free of the United States. Then once you get uh, hundreds and hundreds and of those people, they're very receptive. They're very well, receptive he, to learn. If, they yeah, haven't been, you know clouded over with all the garbage that, you know, they're brainwashed with by the time they're 30, 40 years old. They don't have that yet, so they're really ripe for the taking. But they have to have have the knowledge to uh, keep their mouth shut in court. If they're they're ever attacked, Uh, they have to have the knowledge to go to the right person. If they go to an attorney, the attorney is trained to sell them out. So they they have to have Absolutely. their they have to have the right knowledge to uh, to to show because if you if you walk into a U.S. court uh, in a federal court and you simply if they ask you are you a U.S. citizen and you say yes you just <laughs> lost your you just lost your case you just you lost right if you say you're employed are you employed yeah, yeah I'm employed well, very you're possible it's very possible. Don't answer any of their questions. I don't have to answer that. You prove it. If you've got something you're claiming, they have to prove it, right? Yes, yes, because they they have the word employee defined in their system to absolutely destroy your case. He who brings brings forth uh, the accusation must bring forth the proof as well. It's not my problem. Don't ask me to help you criminate me. Yes. Not the right to remain silent. Yeah, when I was in federal court, they tried to trick me into saying I was a U.S. citizen. They tried to trick my co-defendant, and I told him they're going to try to, this is what they're going to do. They're going to try to talk to you, and they're going to slip in a question real quick, are you a U.S. citizen? And if you say no, you will lose your case. If you say yes, you will lose your case. You must say, either way. You, you must say, I have no evidence in my possession I've ever elected to become a U.S. citizen. That's what you must say to almost every question they ask you. Mm-hmm. Don't say I have you no have evidence in my possession, but no, I have whatever no question, evidence what, in my what, possession. Yeah, whatever question they ask you, you, you answer it. I have no evidence in my possession I've ever elected to... And then you put in what they're what they're saying. Ask it. So you're really not denying. You're not neither. You're neither denying nor accepting that you've done any of that. You're neither denying or or or, or what do you call it? denying or accepting any charge. You're just saying yeah, for, I have example, no knowledge of that. Sir, for example, you, you pulled over and you said, uh, uh, "Do you have? Uh, are you driving a, a motor a motor vehicle?" You know, I have no evidence in my possession I've ever elected to drive a motor vehicle. <laughs> hmm. 
Are you a registered voter? I have no evidence in my possession I've ever elected to become a registered voter. Are you a taxpayer? Everything, everything. And um, and then and then when they speak, when they start putting their evidence on, you have to force them to support everything they say. If they if they say you're a taxpayer, they've got to support it. Um, but without anyway, my helping, uh, yeah, without my help. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, yeah. you can uh, you, if you keep your mouth shut in court and force them to prove it, produce everything. Uh, they have a real problem. They cannot. They cannot prevail because all the evidence you put, they put on, you can come back and destroy them with it. Awesome. Yeah. Let's say, for example, you have a 20-year-old that gets prosecuted by the federal government for not paying taxes. He's smart enough to keep his mouth shut and only say, "I stand on my written documents." They put evidence in. And they, they get a judgment against him. Now he can go back and sue all those people that put that evidence in because it's false evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, okay. But if he but if he put it in with his opening his mouth, then, then you know, he, yeah. he, sh- he shot himself in the foot. Right, he's accused himself. Yeah. That's accusing himself, you know. I, that's, I why had, they asked uh, me, that's why they asked me if I was a U.S. citizen. They they want they want me to produce that evidence because they don't have anybody that'll. They knew that I was good enough in court, and uh, that uh, if anybody else brought it up, that I'd be able to shut them down. So and and, and, and the uh, one of the public defenders they had in that case, he actually said, he says I don't I don't have a clue of why you won that case. What I, I don't know I don't he says I don't understand how you won that case. The the government just uh, walked away from it. He couldn't figure it out. He says, I've never seen this before. (laughs) Really? Well, I I can tell you, they they didn't have jurisdiction, either personam or... I know when you're talking in federal court, it's... it's, uh, They have to have subject matter jurisdiction, and in state court, they have to have personam jurisdiction. Well, it's, it's, it's... it's both ways in both courts. But in they both ha- courts, they, yeah. So they, they, they have, yeah. Yeah, they have to produce every element of the of the crime, and um, mm-hmm. and they and they can't unless you gener- get it gone. Yeah. Generally, they can't. Yeah. Any any other questions? No, sir. I just uh, I just wanted to uh, thank you for that, and at some later time, I may I would like to talk to you further on some other issues uh, in the same line, but. Yeah, especially sure. in the juris, uh, in the jurisdiction or in the jury thing, I'm involved with a group called uh, National Liberty Alliance. We're trying to reinstitute the common law grand jury. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I'd like you to. to well, we don't have to. We don't have to institute the grand jury. Mm-hmm. Start no, with the pettit jury is sufficient. I understand, but uh, yeah. Uh, but, but anyway, I, I, uh, yeah. If you got my email, contact me and. We'll get you on the jurors list, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah. Now that was uh, was that AJ. Uh, what was that first part of your uh, email? I tried to write that down. Are you on the computer, or are you just on the phone? Yeah, I'm on the phone, but I'm looking at uh, comments and stuff as well. Uh, Paul Paul J J Hansen Law. 
Paul J.J. Hanson Law. Yep. Paul J.J. Hanson Law. Okay. At, at gmail dot at, at gmail dot com. Okay, JJ. Okay. Next, next time, next time, Angela, when you have me on, just go ahead and put that on right beside my name. Yeah. In the, I, uh, well, you know, I did. <laughs> oh, we they're did. there. Well, on the web page, they're 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 both there. I got the lost lot, the uh, the free inhabitant one and the JJ Hansen one. Oh, okay. They're there. Okay. Good. Well, I, I appreciate it. Well, I'll I'll, uh, I'll sign off. Do I have to press? Uh, star six to unlog myself or you're going to mute no. me yeah i'll mute you okay thank you you're welcome all right thank god you. bless you all thank you bless you thank you okay next up is northeast and north what is that northeast and north central pennsylvania there you go you've been unmuted hi uh paul yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, I got in late to the show here. I could kick myself in the ass or not. Uh, uh, I didn't know you were going to be on tonight. But uh, a question for you on the uh, territorial jurisdiction. Uh, uh, did you cover that all today uh, on the show? A little bit, but go ahead. Uh, what was it? Article Article One, Section Eight, uh, Paragraph, paragraph seven, Seventeen. Seventeen. That. Uh, 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 dictates the territory that their uh, codes, laws, statutes are applicable in. Correct? If if the land, the, the spot, the site that you are charged with some kind of crimes, whether it's speeding or whatever, has it has had to been ceded over to the United States, and, and it'll be in the in the records. What the records department of the uh, of the uh, courthouse for the. Uh, 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 that that uh, how do you uh, how do you go about articulating that uh, that uh, to uh, uh, um, can you do it with an affidavit uh, where you send them an affidavit and say I believe that uh, you know I see no evidence that uh, that uh, the uh, uh, would that be venue or that's jurisdiction right or is that venue because it's covered well, land well you you do an administrative process that's the first thing you do. Anytime, anytime an agent of the government gives you a hassle, you start with an administrative process because they know they they see that form and they go, "Where is this going? This is not good." So, uh, and then, and in that administrative process, it forces them to produce the evidence of territorial jurisdiction. So, uh, ownership is a uh, there's a record of owner. You know, who who is the record of owner? Just because there's a record of owner doesn't mean that that person's the owner. But it is the best place to start. All right. And So, uh, see, I could, I could go down to the courthouse and manipulate some documents and make your property look like it's mine. Yeah. But uh, that doesn't make it mine. But it is a, it is a place where they start. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you another question? I, I'd like to send you like a donation for some uh, just some a uh, uh, little bit of advice. Uh, I had a problem with that pay. What was it? PayPal or something? Uh, with the logging in or they wanted registration and all that stuff. Uh, if I like make money order out and photocopy. Yeah, yeah, you can you can make. Do you have you, a fax you, number? My my address is uh is yeah I know I have your address but I just wanted to fax you the envelope that I'm sending it out and the written thing so when I get you on the phone you'll you know it's the check is in the mail. 
Because um, I, I, I want to get, you know, I got to do some things. Time. No, I just have, I just have a, I, I don't use fax. You just email. Like on a fax machine? Shit. Okay. Oh, email. I could scan it, maybe. Yeah. Send it to you. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of interesting things in your uh, all the little little dot little uh, little documents that you have. You know, some of them are two fifty, five dollars. Is how to make a, 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 a affidavit. Is it a correct way to make an affidavit, or is it is there is it another one how to make an affidavit by a specific negative averment? That's can you talk discuss that a little bit about uh, that's negative the, averment? That's the, that's the administrative process. See, the administrative process, in a, in a nutshell, for example, is what evidence do you have in your possession that the written law that you're charging me with has force and effect of law on the subject on the subject land? Yeah, it might be a might be a parking ticket, it might be a speeding ticket, it might be sales tax, it might be a, a federal or state tax. But anyway, that's an example. And then if they do not answer, uh, your next line is uh, a non-reply shall be deemed as evidence that you have no evidence that the written law that you're applying here uh, has force and effect of law at that location. Yeah. So, so it becomes settled evidence. It becomes mm-hmm. settled evidence. Okay, now uh, let me let me go on a little bit. Do you have to say anything else? Uh, to, let me let me finish. Let me finish real quick. Go ahead. Go ahead. Let, let's just let's just say you wanted to put a fence between you and your neighbor's yard, between your two houses. So you you just get ten neighbors out there, and you you get your neighbor, and you say, Hi, "Can we put the post here?" Yeah, that looks good. Okay, you drive it in, then you walk the other end. Can we put the post here? Yeah, that looks good. And you go to your neighbors. Okay, everybody's seen it, right? Yep. Okay, we're good. That's that's what the administrative process does. It gives them an opportunity to to say it's 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 good. Not, nothing fancy. Or to correct, or or to make a correction. Yeah, if it's if if yeah. I'm going to build it. I'm going to build the fence here. Is it okay? If if not, tell me. You got your chance right now to tell me. So, that's the same way with traffic tickets, all that stuff. We don't have to. We don't have to go to court. We don't have to go to federal court and uh, and take the chance of going to jail. We can we can do that right up front. And that's and the law allows us to do that. A sixty two hundred three assessment allows us to do that. Could you elaborate on the, the what would be the next step? Okay, one has the uh, default in their hand after twenty, twenty one, twenty two, twenty three days maybe. Okay, after they don't uh, then they don't respond. Then what? You send them a default right then and there, or another notice? No, no, you don't. You don't have to send any more. It's it's okay. been mailed. It's been mailed by a notary, uh, and uh, they did not respond to the notary. So I mean, you want to be nice to send them a second notice, right? Just no, you don't. You don't. You don't have to do that. Okay, but let, why, okay. why? Why do it? You you send okay. a notary. You send it by a notary. Uh, you got an affidavit with two two notary stamps on it. Uh, you don't have to do any more. That's that's way more than the court U.S. courts even require. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that that becomes settled evidence. Okay. Uh, what was I going to ask? Okay, I or have po- a... potential potential settled evidence. That you could use in court. The jury doesn't have to accept it, but um, mm-hmm. it's a well, good. That's what I wanted. That's my, that would be my next question. 
the uh, okay. Let's say you have the the after the time has expired for them to reply, give them a couple extra days for the mail, or whatever. They don't reply. Then you uh, prepare all your uh, documents. And uh, what is the process for? Uh, do you contact the clerk of court? How do you get your your uh, the case keyed up for the uh, uh, for the jury to hear your case? You put you put your. We have a form that you fill out a common law court action, and then uh, you serve it upon them, and they have an opportunity to answer that. How many days is that to take? To put it together? Yeah. Well, to put it together and then to send. Uh, okay, when you send it to them, how, do you, how many days do you have to give them? Well, we give them twenty days usually. Oh, twenty. Well. What happens if you have another case coming up that's like uh, they want to uh, like uh, possibly uh, uh, for a traffic ticket? Uh, potentially well, you have the, the the administrative process that can be three days. It takes two days to mail it to them. You give them three days to answer. It takes oh, two all? days to mail it back. Not, you, don't five them, you don't give them give them twenty days. No, you can give them three days if you want. Okay. If if, if it's an urgent, if your barn is on fire, you don't yeah. only give them twenty days. Mm-hmm. You got to do something right now. Uh, so uh, okay. Anyway, and then and then, and then, then what's the, and then once they uh, let's say uh, one gets a favorable uh, uh, judgment from the uh, that's, that's not a judgment. That's not a judgment. That's that's evidence that they settled. It's not no, a the, judgment. No, I'm talking when the jury settles the matter and says yes, they we 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 believe that the. Uh, that the uh, uh, party that uh, has submitted the affidavits and, and the other party didn't, let's say, didn't respond, and uh, they, they give the, uh, uh, the determination for the what do you call it, the uh, judgment for the. Uh, uh, well, we've already we've already talked about that at length in this in this. Yeah, I, I just got on to ten. Yeah, ago. we don't want to repeat all that. No. Okay, I'll, I'll listen to, to to it again. But uh, then, how does one? Uh, is there a letter or a document that goes to that court to stop that process that uh, that other otherwise would they'd want to uh, drag into their court and recontract with you and everything and and potentially throw you in jail? No, probably been settled. No, that those those courts don't have authority to send each other uh, uh, orders, but you can send a you can send an, uh, the settled evidence to them. And say, you know, this is the settled evidence that you've already, you've already, it's, 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 it's a type of res judicata. An administrative process is a type of res judicata. It's already been settled. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, what is that it? That's it in the, in the final order. And, uh, and uh, uh, there's no, uh, 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 I don't know what the name of the, of the document would be. It says that it is. Uh, it's. Uh, uh, you just. You just. You just put the whole administrative process in into the court record and say this. These guys have failed to respond, and here's the here's a notary affidavit that was says it was mailed and that they haven't responded. Yeah. Any, any, any any threats, uh, coercion, or uh, uh, to uh, uh, that uh, that I did not uh, show up for your alleged uh, scheduled court hearing would be uh, valued at like one million dollars per per person per. Uh, count or whatever, something like that. Well, good good luck convincing a jury of that. I would never give you that judgment. Oh, whatever, five five dollars. <laughs> anyway, anyway, e- either way, every situation is different. Mm-hmm. 
there's biblical standards for every every conceivable judgment you can think of. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate your your efforts. Okay. Thank you for calling. Next next question. Well, that's that's it, my dear. Okay, it's getting kind of late, isn't it? Yeah, we're two okay. over two hours and twenty three minutes. So, you okay. want to call it a night? Oh yeah. We'll uh, maybe maybe I'll get on in a month from now. We'll call it a night. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, and have a great weekend. And we'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Bye bye. Bye. Good night, everybody. It's been fun. Uh, have a great weekend. We got a great lineup for all the way into 2018. So keep coming back and listening for more. I love you guys. Take care of each other. That's it.